This is Salon Mix. Hi, this is Matthew Rosa with Salon. I spoke with Morenike Giwa Onaiwu, and we discussed autism and the intersections with race and gender. This conversation is part of a larger story that you can read, watch, and listen to at Salon.com. I am very interested in the intersections between the experiences of autistic individuals and both gender and race. Uh, let's start with the gender component. How would you say the struggles of being a woman intersect with the struggles of having autism, based both on your own experiences and on the experiences of others with whom you've spoken? In a sense, some of the struggles are really a lack of visibility and lack of understanding. So autistic women and girls have always been around. Um, when I was growing up, I remember when people would give information about heart attacks, they would talk about pain on your left side and all of these other symptoms. And there were a number of women that died not knowing that they had were having a heart attack because they presented differently. I think about autism the same way. A lot of women are undiagnosed, misdiagnosed, or diagnosed late because of the fact that they are looking for symptomology that doesn't present that way in women. Um, some of the characteristics that we have when we are autistic are written off as something else uh, um, other than us being autistic. And then we also tend to mimic the, the social norms. We tend to try to do a better job of blending in in terms of watching what others are doing and trying to, to copy it to draw less attention to ourselves. It's not like we're not here, but it's we're not seen as what someone would expect an autistic to be like. And so it's hurtful because you end up still knowing that something is different, but not really understanding yourself and not really being understood by others for so long. And in a sense, you might even, you know, not really look at the strengths and the good qualities that being autistic has brought to you because of the fact that you're exhausting yourself trying to mitigate the other aspect of the pressure that society puts on you as what a woman is supposed to be like, the all of the social norms that go with that coupled with your different neurology. Okay, and how would you describe the intersections between being autistic and being African American? There was a time when locally, I live in a, a fairly large city, and I could go to events that were related to autism, and I kind of played this game called Spot the Person of Color. It was a big game I played with myself, because typically there were almost no people that looked like me or that seemed to be a person of color. Again, you can't always tell by looking, but it just seemed like the, the professionals, the parents, the people at all of these seminars and events were often white, middle-class individuals. And we know that autism presents in all ethnic groups. And there's a lot of information out there about how when you, you know, account for other factors such as income and other things, African-American children are still diagnosed later than white children when everything else is, is equal. And thinking about myself, there were a lot of qualities that I think if I was a different color might have been picked up as, you know, autistic, but that weren't. A lot of things are written off because of the stereotypes that people have of you, positive or negative, and therefore missed. Can you give specific examples? Yes. One example is eye contact. So eye contact is something that I've never 
been good at. It's variable. I, sometimes I can do it. Sometimes I can't. And I'm African-American. I'm also of African descent. My parents are African immigrants. I think my teachers would say, oh, well, she's you know West African. They don't look at people in the eye because that's considered to be rude. Things like the way that I spoke, you know, my um, very pedantic speech, um, kind of social awkwardness, not really speaking the way that other people did, communicating, you know, way that people did colloquially, casually. And it was seen as, well, you know, she is a black person and, you know, trying to fit into the white environment and, you know, maybe the stiffness or inability to communicate the same way these communication differences are, um, you know, more based upon the racial differences and not really, you know, having that background than anything else. Other things such as if I was overstimulated um, or stimming or anything like that, some of those things were, were viewed negatively, if I was overstimulated by sound or noise and I needed to, to get away or I needed to, to have some t- downtime or became emotional, it was seen as the whole stereotype of the you know, violent or over-emotional or sassy Black person, as opposed to you know, understanding what it really was. Now, you said you were from what, your parents were from West Africa. Which country? Uh, Nigeria and Cabo Verde. Have you been to those countries? And if so, how has your autism been interpreted differently or has it not been interpreted differently? I haven't gone as frequently as I would like. We used to go more frequently when I was a child um, to visit relatives and the majority of my family is still there. And when people talk about autistic people hiding in plain sight, you really see that in some of the um, resource limited settings because When I look back now in hindsight, I see generations of autistics in my family and throughout my community that were seen as something else. Someone will just say, oh, such and such is just that way or such and such is just different. So more broadly speaking, if you had to make recommendations regarding how society at large should accommodate individuals who are on the spectrum, bearing in mind these intersections of gender and race, what suggestions would you have in mind? Well, one suggestion that I definitely have would be related to the concept of universal design. So when you think about the way a lot of buildings or structures or even workplaces or schools or what have you, so not even just the physical structure, but just the expectation of how a person is supposed to navigate, a lot of these things have barriers that are built in for a number of people. For example, myself, I'm an educator, and I have a classroom that has fluorescent lights that are horrendous for me, and it's difficult for me to concentrate, in, you know, with such lights. This, you know, the design of the building, I wasn't consulted on it, obviously, when that was when that happened, and so I have my lamps. I've found ways to work around it, but when I think about if people did things such as when there are meetings, providing alternate ways for people to participate. Now, aside from your own experiences, um, have there been any anecdotes from individuals uh, with autism that really resonate with you in terms of these lessons? On the Autism Women's Network, we have tens of thousands of followers on social media, and we have uh, meetups locally in different parts of the world, in, in, the, in the Midwest, and on the East Coast, and in other places. And it's so frequent that we hear people having relief once they understand that they are autistic because they were misunderstood for so long. Just yesterday, I was messaged by a friend of mine. She's a fellow adoptive parent. We've known each other for a few years. And she has a daughter who will be going to college in the fall. 
a few months ago, she and her husband and her daughter started wondering if her daughter might be autistic and started going through the process of getting her assessed and, you know, obtaining a diagnosis. And they just received it. And in looking back at so many things that her daughter's experienced in in her life with friends in, in school, in the workplace and so many things, having that knowledge about who she was and therefore setting your life up accordingly would have been so helpful for her and is so helpful now moving forward as she will be attending college in the fall. When you have an understanding of yourself, you aren't measuring yourself any longer by someone else's criteria. If you are a bird, you want to measure yourself by flying, not by swimming, because you're not a fish. So with me and with a lot of other people that I know who are autistic, we build in self-care. We understand the way that we learn best or that we communicate best. You know, nothing is going to be perfect, but if you understand the way that you work, then you can work with your condition and you can maximize the strengths that you do have as an autistic person. Like, I think that my strengths, my hyper-focus and the ability to hone in on things and perseverate or, you know, thinking outside the box. A lot of these things have been assets to me. I'm certainly in the workplace. Um, some of the things that are deficits in some, some areas or in some settings are things that help you to shine in others. So I think just understanding yourself and setting up your environment to where you have the, the resources to be able to do what everyone else does, but just do it your way. This is Matthew Roja with Salon. I just spoke with Moreneke Giwa Onaiwu about the intersections between autistic experiences and race and gender. This conversation is part of a larger story that you can read, watch, and listen to at Salon.com.